0: The hottest games, right from Vegas, and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at highfivecasino.com.
1: high 5 High5 Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at High5Casino.com.
2: High5 Casino. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code.
3: all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer.
4: Baseball fans,
5: It could happen here. Uh, it being a number of things. Uh, this is the podcast about things falling apart and also maybe putting them back together. And assuming there is not a nuclear war in the immediate future, you will probably be hearing this episode sometime in early March. Uh, I am Robert Evans. My co-hosts, as always, well, as often, uh, Chris <laughs> and Garrison. And that's that's my job for the day done. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit back and chill. You guys want to take it from here?
1: Yeah, I'll take it from here. We are doing one of our perennial Mm -hmm. Things Fall Apart, but also we sort of put them back together again episodes. And joining us today is JMC from Strange Matters, a new libertarian socialist cooperative magazine. JMC, great to have you here.
0: Yeah, this is really great. So I guess we should probably explain what the magazine is, uh, not just in and of itself, but also because it's a good lead in into um, – into what we're going to be talking about. So we basically, uh, there's five of us as co-editors and we're all equal worker owners in it. It's a magazine called Strange Matters. And uh, the 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 point of it is to explore radical new ideas, not just in terms of politics and economics, which is going to be kind of half the focus. Is trying to figure out, like you know, libertarian socialists talk a lot about dual power, which I know y'all talk about on the show a lot. Talk about building independent institutions under the direct democratic control of the working class that control real resources and are not the state or capitalist firms, but Like we talk a big game, but do we actually know how to do that stuff? And do we know how to do stuff like run like, you know, a big company as a uh, uh, as a self-managed democracy? Or do we know how to like run a city as a as a radical democracy, like rooted in neighborhood councils or anything like that? The answer kind of is not really. And there's a lot of like um, open questions that we don't know yet the answers to and that very few people are working on those answers. So Strange Matters is um, partly about discovering, uh, those answers, not because we, the editors have the answers, but because we need like some kind of space within which we can bring lots of different people with different life experiences together, uh, in order to talk about the stuff, uh, and figure it out. And then the other mission of it is to be a kind of general interest, literary intellectual magazine, doing the kind of journalism and philosophy and poetry and memoir and stuff like that, that, uh, that, uh, Perhaps get shut out of capitalist society because it's not commercial or because it's too weird or because it's like, I don't know, uh, a historiographical essay about Ibn Khaldun or something like that, yeah. you know, <laughs> and we and we think that there should be a place for that um, just because it brings delight and meaning into people's lives. And it's what we're fighting for a more democratic society in order to do. So that's basically our vibe. Um and the essay in question is a collective editorial that we uh that we collectively drafted and edited, uh, talking about our political views in particular and the recent history of libertarian socialism. Um and then as for me, I'm uh uh I'm a writer who's written for a couple other places like uh the The Point and the Brooklyn Rail. Uh, and I also was involved in uh the DSA's Libertarian Socials Caucus and also uh, yes. the uh the yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> old uh, that's old that's Uh, Right, not so much in the
1: LLC, but yeah,
0: (laughs) a lot of of history there, (laughs) trauma, you know, some, some uh, yeah, but anywho, uh, and uh, also the Symbiosis Federation, um, which is a a federation across Mexico, the US, and Canada that is trying to uh put together it's a a confederation of local organizations that are trying to do this kind of direct democracy stuff,
1: yeah. So, I guess, well, okay, so the pandemic isn't, I guess, the perfect jumping in point for this, but I want to go back and I guess get, get, get getting into the meat of this piece because I think it's very interesting uh, I wanted to sort of talk about the, the origins of like what's called sort of neo-anarchism and how it sort of began to decay after sort of after the collapse of Occupy and after well I guess the the, 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 sort, the sort of kind of revolutionary arc of, of the 2010s
0: so basically before you do the decline at least is the way that we wrote it and I kind of think that it's the way that I would tell it. Um, the, you have to kind of do the rise first, right? Because like there was this moment from roughly the fall of the Soviets in 91 to roughly like 2000 and even kind of lingering in an afterlife afterwards where it kind of looked like anarchism was going to take over the world. And that's a bit of a joke, but it's also not a joke because in the context of like the radical left, which is of course, obviously a kind of like, you know, dissident scene in any country where it happens to exist. um, You know, everything receded in terms of the traditional parties, because the fall of these Soviet style uh, Leninist states, uh, either through their collapse, as in the case of the USSR, uh, or in the case of their transition to a much more like clearly and obviously like state capitalist, uh, semi neoliberalized uh, model like in China, like the the you, you basically had like this total recession, not just in Leninism, interestingly, which uh, obvious enough, right? Like, you know, it's basically a global collapse of Leninist style governments, but also in like social democracy um, because it a lot of the I mean, it's actually kind of interesting why it's, it's unclear why it is. Uh, uh, people have different theories, but there, you know, people often describe it in, in um, you know, Fisher's term, the, the, the writer Mark Fisher, uh, capitalist realism the attitude in the 90s was uh that uh you know there's there's only one world that's possible and it's the best of all possible worlds and that's the capitalist world where everybody's going to have mcdonald's in every country and two countries that have the same mcdonald's are never going to go to war which uh (laughs) we kind of found out the hard way this week that that's not really the case
5: um well and if people had paid attention more to other parts of the world they would know that like well there were civil wars in a bunch of countries that had mcdonald's it didn't stop people from shooting each other yeah no that's absolutely (laughs) right yeah as as the United States should tell you, people will kill each other whether or not they have access to chicken McNuggets.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think like that—that's a period that has it's full of the most wrong anyone has ever been. Like you got your Francis Fukuyama, like the most wrong person ever. You've got, yeah, you've you've got a lot of sort of ideologues who like have sort of deluded themselves into thinking this stuff is over. And yeah, I think you're right that that, that sort of plays into this. You know, into sort of the collapse of, of, of I guess, the, the the party state left and then the way in which that, you know, the, the alternative to that, I guess, becomes neo-anarchism and anarchist practice, even if it's not necessarily ideology with all the groups, kind of seeps its way into the rest of the activist scene.
0: Yeah, so basically the story that we tell is that there's um, – you know the Zapatista rebellion in 1994 triggers these. Uh, it's not just that the Zapatistas are able to create their autonomous territory in Chiapas, but they, it triggers this wave uh, that um, we use a term that sometimes is used in academia called neo anarchism uh, for this. Um, you know, there's an anarchist revival in the 90s. Um, Around the world. And it's not just people calling themselves anarchists. It's all these movements that were inspired by the uh, libertarian socialist, uh, broadly speaking, um, Zapatistas, um, adopting kind of similar methods in their local contexts in different countries, fighting against, I mean, a lot of things. Initially, it's against like, you know, neoliberal trade deals, but it also ends up being against like sweatshops, because that's basically what a lot of outsourcing is, is, you know, if, if they have unions in this country from the social democratic period they shut down the factory fire everybody move it to some place where uh some dictatorship is going to shoot anybody who tries to do a union uh and then that you know that that lowers uh tra- logistics has gotten sophisticated enough by this point that like, you know it ends up being cheaper for the company even though they have to transport goods all across the world and do just in time delivery and that kind of thing so um the a lot of the 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 anti-globalization movement that sprouted up around uh the 2000s was like um Against all these things and usually using the kinds of direct actions, uh, which is when you act kind of independent of the state and not trying to like, you know, convince a politician to do something, but taking direct action to get your result, your desired result, um, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, that were at using like direct democratic consensus methods uh, in the way that they organized stuff uh, that, that was, that was all basically anarchistic. And so there was this way in which anarchist methods, anarchist tactics, anarchist like attitudes towards what activism even is started filtering into all these other movements. And this has been happening a little bit in the eighties too. So there was like the anti-nuclear movement had a lot of this, the, the, the feminist movement had a lot of this. Um, there was a whole, um, stream of single uh, the ecological movements uh were actually like pioneered in a lot of ways by anarchists in the 90s um so as well as indigenous movements in places like mexico bolivia etc so the the this is the kind of like rise of this neo-anarchist milieu that we're talking about which is not just about anarchists it's about people who act and think like anarchists without necessarily identifying as it
6: yeah i mean that's the kind of thing that I hope we can kind of more encourage as well in the next few decades as those types of ideas can be, I, 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 want, I want to make sure that we can take these ideas and make them very approachable for, for people, even if they don't use the terms that we might use, you can still kind of suggest these types of thoughts and suggest these types of kind of lenses and viewpoints.
0: The hottest games, right from Vegas, and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com.
1: High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited.
3: Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at High the number five casino.com. High Five Casino. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin.
7: But what about the other places that have it? Like the doctor's office that mixed up your files. They have your social security number. The power company that mistakenly cut your service has your payment info and last three addresses. And the hotel that lost your reservation has your passport info. Your information is in endless places out of your control. Any one of them could accidentally expose you to hackers and identity theft through lax security, breaches, or simple mistakes. But LifeLock monitors millions of data points every second and alerts you to a wide range of threats. If your identity is stolen, a U.S.-based restoration specialist will fix it, guaranteed or your money back, with plans covering up to $3 million for stolen funds and expenses. Mistakes happen. Don't let not having protection be one of them. Save up to 40% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save
4: up to 40%. Terms apply.
1: As much as we're about to get to how this sort of goes wrong, or fails in some sense, like I think that was the strength of this movement was that it was, it it, it, it its tactics were really easy to spread, and that led to a lot of people adopting I mean, it. Led to it sort of becoming this, I guess, activist consensus that you know, like you use things like consensus process. You you know, you you have horizontal organizations. You have you do direct actions. You mobilize people, and you don't have these sort of like hierarchical like parties but that yeah and i think i think the next part of the the story that you want to tell is about i guess how that fell apart and the consequences of that basically
0: what ends up happening is that like there was this moment of our ascent because i would identify myself as being definitely like part of these uh the the this general milieu. i mean i i came i hopped aboard a lot later with like occupy wall street but a lot of the kind of explosion of movements that happened around the world in 2011 again not always right it started with the arab spring which started with somebody setting themselves on fire in tunisia and like you know and then that spreads to um other countries in the middle east and um you know protests against dictatorships and so on but it starts getting kind of like transported beyond its initial middle eastern context and what a lot of people don't know is that the uh the the occupy wall street movement in north america uh and like other movements that you know some of them were called occupy some of them and one of them was maidan in ukraine as a matter of fact um and other uh, like you know the the hong kong uh the 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 uh, the umbrella yeah. movements, yeah, the and all these kind of movements that that proceeded from after twenty eleven, a lot of them were basically in a single kind of wave, uh, a protracted wave of copycat movements uh, that were trying to adopt the same kind of tactics of like occupying public squares, uh, declaring them basically autonomous, and doing like direct democracy in those squares, modeling the kind of society that they that people wanted to create. Um, You know, in this moment where it seemed like you could uh, have these uh, direct democratic uh, sorts of movements the the and in the US, there's like a direct line of succession from like Occupy Wall Street through to like Black Lives Matter through to like the uh, anti pipeline uh, indigenous protests. There's a lot of like shared movement experience, a lot of the same people showing up to it or teaching the next generation um, in those movements. And I think this is something I mean. Uh, it's difficult to find like sources on this, but I mean, y'all are involved in social movements. I think that that's like a rough—that's roughly a description of of what's happened, right? Uh, unless unless we're crazy.
1: Yeah, and I think you know, I think, I guess what you call the last wave of that is Occupy Ice in
2: twenty eighteen. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. You know, like I remember, like that was a sort of mix of, I guess, two crowds. One is you know i mean like I, I i remember it was a bunch of you know people who'd been in occupy and then also it was a lot of people who been radicalized essentially yeah. by trump yeah there and, was there
6: was a pretty big new wave of people
1: yeah around around 2016 and that you know and i guess, i guess the other thing that that that's going on through this period is the 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 ascension of ascension of the right and the return also not just of you know not just of sort of the 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 fascist right but of leninism and social democracy as well
6: yeah um this has yeah, also happened around like when bernie sanders was getting more popular yeah yeah and yes. I, I think i
1: think i think there's there's you know there's a couple of there's like two threads here there, there's the sort of bernie sanders thread and then there's you know like the, the the rise of the rise of the tankies which has to do with syria and has to do with sort of the this backlash against the 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 2011 revolutions that you know, like some some of that backlash turns into like just, you know, like Erdogan's like hard right ter- Well, I mean, it was never like not a right wing, but like er- Erdogan's turn into just like firebombing cities and, um, right. st- and, yeah, and then Assad yeah. as
0: well, like the, you know, literally yeah. barrel bombing, mm-hmm. you know, the peaceful protest stuff, um, can overthrow governments if. The government is not willing to bomb and shoot people uh, who gather on mass in the central square because they're afraid of what the world's response would be if they did start doing that. But, you know, when Bashar al-Assad did that in Syria against the democratic opposition movements, um, you know, that basically sent the signal. Nothing. I mean, nothing happened to Assad. Right. So that basically sent the signal that like, oh, he had a stressful couple
5: of years. But yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah like like you can you can just shoot people and bomb them and like it and that basically defanged the kind of central tactic that a lot of these movements were trying to do which is to have like large numbers of people do nonviolent civil disobedience and then through those like direct actions cultivate this culture of like direct democracy in the hopes that um You know, the assemblies that are created in that space could in some way become the the germ of the organs that could run society, or at least that's like when it's taken to its logical conclusion, because usually people who are involved in this, they get involved in it, they think the assembly stuff is really cool, they start learning more about it, they get radicalized by being in the assembly, because, like, when you're in a direct democratic assembly, and you're actually making the decisions, like, together, and then you come to an agreement and you execute the decision, you start asking yourself, like, why can't we do everything like this, um, and then um you know I, I'll, that that's what directs a lot of people in this kind of anarchistic direction but yeah one of the reasons why these movements start to decline is cuz they get smashed um the uh but i think that there's always this other thing going on which and i wonder how y- y'all felt about this like reading it like you know th- there's there was this kind of both like an external critique at first From people like, you know, Baskar Sinkra of Jacobin and things like that. But then also like this increasingly over the years in the last half of the 2010s, internal critiques of anarchism coming from anarchists themselves uh, or people in this general kind of milieu, libertarian socialism, talking about how like anarchists didn't have solutions to the most pressing crises in the 21st century? Like if you like if you guys had to say, I, I know it's like kind of pretentious, but like what is the most pressing crisis of the 21st century? What are like the top three? Just off the top of your heads without thinking, what would you list if you had to list three, two or three separate things?
5: Climate change, creeping authoritarianism, and rampant disinformation about basic facts of reality.
0: Sweet, okay. So let's tackle yeah. each one of those, right? Like what's what's an anarchist got to say about climate change? Well, okay. Disrupt the pipelines. Like, you know, do uh, like, you can't have infinite growth on a finite planet. So you have to have like, you know, we, we have all the slogans, right? I mean, we've all heard them like a million times. Yeah. You have the
5: diagnoses people. of the problem, but yeah.
0: Yeah. But then like, okay, so how are we going to like, you know, I guess we're going to build some co-ops and then the co-ops are going to democratize production. And then we can do degrowth somehow but like also disrupting existing production but there's like a missing step here right because like you know the reason why we have all this production in a certain way is because the entire economy depends on it it's been set up that way uh so you uh, implied in the idea that we're going to do degrowth somehow is that we need some way of constructing a different economy and how do you construct a different economy right through some kind of planning so really the question is like how do you do economic planning uh second one um I'm going to skip creeping authoritarianism for now because that's actually like feeding into the more the ending of the essay. But the but the other one, right? Disinformation. Another great question, right? Like, what do you do with social media? Like, okay, again, anarchists talk in general a lot about like, okay, we're going to democratize all the companies because we're democratizing everything. We're democratizing neighborhoods. We're democratizing cities. So it's kind of the same thing, turning everything into like a radical direct democracy. Okay, but. If we're going to have social media, first of all, should we like, was it a mistake to invent a centralized system instead of the more decentralized internet that created that existed before social media? Right. That's kind of a interesting question, but then assuming that we do, how do we restructure it? Not just in terms of how it's managed, but like, okay, we have the democracy of Facebook or whatever. And let's say that we're the workers at Facebook. What do we do? Like, how do we structure it so that it's not a giant misinformation engine, right? Like once once you actually have like the responsibility and the power of being in the saddle, which is what we spend so much of our time kind of just trying to do, you have to actually make decisions about what to do. And honestly, there aren't that many. I mean, what do you what do you do with with the uh, with an with a utility like that? Like for example, who ought to be in control of a utility like that? Is it really just the workers of Facebook? Aren't all the people who are users of it? Don't they have a right to be Uh, making decisions about it too. And is it just an American institution just because it's an American LLC or is it like a global institution because everybody on the planet's on it? Um, Is there, you know, uh, are are there ways that it could be reconfigured like fundamentally in terms of how users use it, that would change the experience in some way to actually make it uh, make you less liable to misinformation. But on the other hand, if you try to manipulate people in order to, um, you know, not see, something that's going to be misinformation isn't that well you know like censorship <laughs> or 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 some other thing that we generally would oppose right like the the tool of centralized social control so they like these are really deep questions and again this is generally a kind of silence and of course you know in that case there's silence from the social democrats too and there's silence from the leninists i mean well the leninists just kind of fantasize about turning facebook into the the tool the central party state uses in order to crush dissent forever or whatever but you know social democrats are like let's nationalize facebook and it's like you know yeah sure we could we could do that and then you know the nsa owns owns facebook i'm sure that that's a that's a better scenario
5: yeah i mean i, I tend to think somewhat differently about what it means to have an anarchist solution to those problems. like for example, I don't I don't see anarchists or social Democrats or Leninists having any kind of stopping climate change solution um, mm-hmm. because I don't I don't realistically see the organizing potential um, capable of actually stopping what's going on in any kind of reasonable time frame. and I, I certainly don't think that the existing, you know, neoliberal structures or the authoritarian structures that exist in, you know, other countries or in this country are going to stop it either. So when I think about solutions to climate change from an anarchist perspective, I think about how can anarchist organizing help people deal with the consequences of climate change? And and I, I see, I tend to see the potential for actually like mitigating climate change coming more from there's... As the consequences of this become more dire to people, if anarchists are better are good at providing relief and helping people and organizing through that, then eventually there's some potential to actually get people organized to stop the causes of the problem. But um, I just don't. I, I'm not an optimist of, of about our ability to stop the worst of it at this point, um, uh, especially not after the most recent IPCC report. And I guess I'm kind of in the same boat when it comes to disinformation. Um, I and this is not just like anarchists. I feel like lack a, a, a as you've stated a, a like a, a good idea about like what do we do with Facebook? What do we do with YouTube? What do we do with the way all of these things are set up and the harms that they do at scale? Um, nobody, and I include the people currently in charge, has any real good ideas for that because they they haven't. Like I've been working in this space for a very long time. I've I've spent a lot of time talking with and. Uh, debating with a lot of the the folks who are leading minds, kind of in the fight against disinformation, and I just don't feel like there's any sort of solution that is an immediate-term solution because so min- the problem is so advanced as it is. So I guess that's kind of like where I I le- land on a lot of this stuff is we certainly need to be thinking about solutions, but I I kind of like I I I, I think it's less likely that there's going to be. Like you, you were saying, the kind of debate is between: is there some way of like reforming or fixing, making Facebook more democratic, or is it just we need to decide that maybe we don't have some of this stuff? And I tend to land towards that. That like, well, I think the solution is going to be maybe, maybe Facebook's a bad idea. Maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't have. <laughs> there's aspects of it that are necessary, obviously, and I, I think aspects of things like Telegram and, and Twitter that are useful, but. Um, I, I think the, 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 the they're also fundamentally tied to the algorithms that drive them, which is also what drives so much of the toxic aspects. That I think if you're divorcing the medium from the algorithm, you're talking about something that is very different. It's no it's longer just, the media. Yeah, it's no longer the media. It's
6: so radically different that it's just it's it's not even useful to compare them. It's like yeah. it's like it's like comparing Discord to Facebook. It's like they're not they don't operate the same way
5: that's the, yeah that's exactly kind of where I where I I tend to be on on that and I know that's not like I I it, to the extent that like uh that's pessimistic I guess I am kind of pessimistic about anarchism's ability to stop the worst of things that's happening where I kind of look at myself as an optimistic anarchist is is in the I, I believe anarchism offers solutions when these things go as badly as they're going to do in a way that you know the present systems or you know uh, more authoritarian systems that people propose can't solve the worst consequences of these problems as as well that's that's kind of where i i feel like
6: i like it, it is can feel a lot simpler to default to like the dual power f- framework of a lot of these things because otherwise the problems are so complex that you cannot approach them from, from from every angle. So you really do need to simplify and condense them and collapse them into something that is more simplified, which often results in like a dual power kind of framework well, for what you actually start doing.
5: Yeah, and I, I think you have to – I think if you're uh, an insurrectionist, if you're a revolutionary, whether it, you're an anarchist or, or you know a, a, a Leninist or whatever, you have to be looking at what's actually happening in Ukraine right now. And recognize that. All right, well, to what extent do you think you're going to be able to organize people in such a way that allows them to deal with thermobaric weapons? You know, in what way are you going to organize people that allows them to effectively resist cluster music- munitions? Um, and I, I think that when you kind of look at it that way, which is what it would take to overthrow any of the the, the large hegemonic powers in the world right now, a much more realistic set of solutions is all right well let's work on building power by building organizations and communities that are capable of of taking care of themselves in the holes that these powers are increasingly going to be experiencing because because they too are crumbling and that's much smarter than being like all right well i'm going to try to get a bunch of my friends with rifles and and arm up a couple of drones and and go up against You know, people who have access to MLRS, you know, weapon systems and whatnot.
0: Yeah, no, I think that that's a really great point. Um, I the way that I would think about it is the starting with the big picture problems is a bit misleading because, as you said, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like nobody. It's quite likely yeah. that nobody has solutions to these problems. <laughs> Certainly the social Democrats don't. They sure right? haven't
5: solved them. Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, and and I say this as somebody who's like half a social Democrat by temperament. Um, It would be really nice if we elected a little social democratic government and they swooped in and, you know, did like New Deal stuff. I like New Deal stuff. I like WPA stuff as much as the next, uh, you know, um, person who. Uh, likes arts programs and infrastructure development Mm -hmm. well you know some infrastructure development not others right uh the the war the war complex we can do a little without but you know the the thing about it is those big problems you're right it looks like there's not going to be like a big solution uh and that we're going to kind of have to cope with the consequences of of it at least at first yeah but even coping this is this is kind of where I think the real kind of substance of of the, of the problem that libertarian socialists are, are facing right now even coping would require a greater level of organization than we have proven able to muster up to now not because the methods that we choose don't work because in fact as you point out and as I actually really want to forcefully Argue and because I because we do in the end of the essay like authoritarian methods don't work and can't work for a lot of the specific problems that we face. Uh, and history shows that very definitively. But, um, there is also a, a, a serious way in which, even kind of developing these like you know local, highly like you know rooted in a community, uh, like direct democratic institutions that control real resources, scaling that up. To the point where it actually could start replacing some of the the, the gaps left behind by uh, you know uh, states and capitalist firms that are too dysfunctional or too focused on their own goals to, to 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 meet those needs, that would actually require us to be able, for example, to know how to build up a cooperative sector in a city. Or how to kind of like network the tenants unions that already exist, you know, across different uh, you know, uh regions, maybe even across like a continent, and then construct like the, the the way in which they self-manage uh each other or or not each other, uh self-manage together, the you know, the the larger group. Or it would require, and you know, there's a lot of people working on these problems, but sometimes there is a kind of like, you know, you'll, you'll see this like obstacle in the road, because for example, like, what do you do when, the uh it might not even be the, the the state, properly speaking, right? It might be like a posse that's funded by some rich billionaire uh asshole who's got like his uh you know his notion that some people are just better than others and that you should institute the dictatorship of the tech bros. Um, you know, and then that billionaire is funding a bunch of people who've got now like, you know, some industrial access to industrial infrastructure, and they don't like the fact that you're doing your DIY like, you know, commune or whatever stuff in their on their turf so how do you fight back against that i mean some of it you can fight back against at kind of our current level of capacity but some of it does kind of require us to start thinking like well how do you how do you build up financial independence like how do you build up the kind of independence where it's like if we get kicked off of the capitalist uh uh social media for example which is a great deal of what we use for fundraising how what kind of institutions could we create that would be like alternatives um that are not like the uh, the ones that the Nazis created when there was a purge of some of them that gab like highly dysfunctional, like, you know, it didn't even work for them. Uh, not that, I mean, I'm happy about that, but like, you know, my point is like the same thing could happen to us. So what would we do? Um, the, like, there there are all these kinds of things that are more little picture questions in a way, but they, they scale up relatively quickly to at least like medium sized questions where we need this kind of like, um, These, these, because, because part of what it is, is also that like, it's not that these questions are impossible. It's that they're kind of neglected. And there's, um. There, there's these uh, the thinkers like uh, Christian Williams, who's an anarchist from the Pacific Northwest, who wrote a uh, a pamphlet about this called "Wither Anarchism." And there was another pamphlet uh, or uh, an essay in uh, Counterpunch by uh, a person named Gabriel Kuhn, who's an autonomous Marxist, basically like a libertarian Marxist, Marxist anarchist type. Um, Called "What Happened to the Anarchist Century?" and both of those essays, which I highly recommend that people read, they ma- they make points basically like this, you know, like where where the 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 focus on how to construct those institutions and the nitty gritty of how to do that has kind of receded from anarchism um, as it's actually practiced uh, in fa- like so. There's like a rhetoric of revolutionary transformation, but not always the attention to the nitty gritty of how you actually can like build. Uh, resilient institutions that actually like carry that through, which, you know, a hundred years ago, people were talking about like the one big union and the general strike, but that's kind of like, um, well, A, it didn't work in exactly the way that they were thinking it would, even in the most successful revolutions like in Spain. And B, it was also like the, the there's, there's, there's a certain way in which our tensions are focused on other things and it's not that those things are bad it's just that like there's been this kind of neglect of the question of large-scale organization and how you do uh coordination like you know in order to tackle problems that are kind of like at the scale that that i was talking about before um and so basically the argument of the essay is that in the absence of that like for the 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 socialist movement that emerged after 2016 turned away from neo-anarchism, thinking basically that it had no solutions, which I don't think is true either. But it's like – you know, or like rather it, it was true in the moment, but it doesn't have to be true. But it was true – but enough people thought that it was that they turned to like the social democratic route, but with the failure of Corbyn and Bernie, that kind of burned a lot of people out too. And a lot of what it seems like it's coming up now, and I'm wondering, I wonder what you guys think of this, like, a lot of the people that we see showing up in movement spaces, who we see kind of like getting politically activated for the first time, or whatever, a lot of those people are really interested in Leninism, and on specifically because I don't,
6: I don't know how true that is. That's at least not, not that part's not true, at least at least at least here in portland that's very much not the case yeah well p- portland Portland's portland also is yeah got it
1: no other no other part of the country history, is like portland yeah. other than maybe eugene
6: like <laughs> oh, okay that's that's fair that's <laughs> like, yeah, right. yeah, well yeah well seattle portland, portland, a little
1: bit too yeah, let's but like, be like, fair. Portland, yeah portland is a big enough anarchist city that there are entire decade long like anor- like inter-anarchist wars that no one else in the u.s has ever heard that's, of that, that is are true. like the <laughs> most important thing that's ever happened in portland <laughs> oh boy <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the green red let, let me
5: tell you chris you have just pissed off 60 people who could not explain to you who, if you gave them a year could not explain to you
1: why they're angry <laughs> I, I mean i mean to, to be to be fair like i i i am an anarchist in chicago when the first time i introduced two of my twitter mutuals together they almost got in a fist fight so like you yeah know, that makes that mm-hmm. makes sense that makes sense yeah that's that completely scans
3: Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin.
6: Like DSA stuff, I feel like there's there, there was at least was a trend a little bit to stay away from some of the more Russia communist kind of like types of aesthetics and and ideas because it is a turnoff for so many people, and it does yeah, you know no encourages and it does like encourage in forefront a form of authoritarianism that maybe is not great. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I I've i seen sort of both trends.
1: Well, okay, so I think the last. Like year has been very different than I think the previous five.
6: I've seen it on where, Twitter, but I don't know how much it expands into uh, well, actual they, spaces. I, I think I think it uh, like I saw, I saw a lot. So I mean, different. one of the things that happens yeah. in
1: the DSA is is that the Leninists essentially took over the International Committee, and right. they they had this kind of division yeah, of labor scans. inside the DSA where like you have like a, you have a part of the DSA that's essentially a social democratic machine, and then you have the International Committee, which is which is the sort of foreign policy wing, is essentially run by by. Uh, essentially run by, by the Leninists. And I think I don't know. I think I saw it there. And the, the other thing I think I saw a lot of better that, that I've seen, even from people who are ordinarily not Stalinists, is what you know, part of what's talking about this is is the sort of like climate Stalinism or like climate yeah. Mao stuff. Like that that is a huge problem that, you know, I mean I think I mean, I think part of it also just has to do with the fact that people don't like okay, so like we we have actually existing uh uh climate Leninism. Like we have it. It's 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 China. Like the the CCP changed. It's like literally changed yeah. its state ideology in in in, in the mid 2010s as, as you know as an attempt to 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 deal, to deal with 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 pollution and climate change it did nothing like they they yeah. they, they pressed every policy right. yeah letter. it doesn't it didn't, like, it didn't work <laughs> yeah yeah i mean they, they did carbon markets they did they literally just banned coal in entire provinces and it didn't work they uh they, they changed their country valuations I, I i they the probably shot leviathan. people yeah yeah, yeah. like lays, yeah.
6: Lay, lays lays this out specifically with china to an excruciating degree yeah. like it like in detail if you're really interested in this type of like climate left authoritarianism they call it climate in the book but you can call it climate climate leninism you can call it whatever but they they lay out how it could work and how use cases of it have not worked um to a pretty pretty intense degree if you're interested in that i would recommend reading the book climate leviathan it definitely influenced yeah. a large portion of the writing for this show
0: yeah and i mean to your point
6: I don't think that this is the only trend
0: I do. I agree with you that out of like the conjuncture of 2020, there was this, um, I, I think that a lot of the more like establishment reformist aspects of the movement were discredited, and that pushed people in different radical directions. Like one of which very much is anarchism and libertarian socialism. I am seeing a lot more faces that are interested in in, in those questions for sure, uh, and that's kind of counter to the trend that I was describing from the last like five years of like you know people becoming more disinterested because of the real or perceived lack of solutions. However. I do think that it's important, and this is kind of following on Chris's climate Leninism point to understand that there's at least a counter trend where a lot of people are have not only moved away from libertarian socialism, have not only moved, but they've also moved away from democratic socialism. And if you follow that pattern, which is a pattern that I at least have seen within the DSA, within various trade unions, in a lot of among a lot of like intelligentsia type people, like journalists, professors, blah, blah, you see. A very common set of arguments, and I think it's very clear that as the century proceeds and the crises get worse and start killing like even larger numbers of people than they already are, we're going to see this argument a lot more. Um, yeah. And the, and the argument is something like this. I mean, I, there's a quote from a tweet, uh, and and you know, one could argue that a tweet uh, doesn't matter. Old but friends, old it's enemies. <laughs> the, you are naive if you think this is the tweet climate you are naive if you think climate change can ever be solved without an authoritarian government at this point that's and that's that's the whole thing so it's a it's a nasty little tweet because it's ambiguous right it, yeah. it has this like shocking and scandalous effect. you know we need authoritarianism to to, to solve climate change it's scandalous you know bourgeois, whatever but then it's like okay wait but what do you mean by authoritarian? Am I just being hysterical? Reacting
5: well, it in is, a bad way? Like, What do you mean
6: by? Yeah, it's, no, the, it, maybe- it's the
5: same as saying you're naive if you think that um, climate change can be solved without. Uh, nuclear power or climate change can be solved without really big hammers. Like, we have authoritarian governments, we have nuclear power, we have really big hammers and climate change has not been solved. Is it possible that any of those things might be a part of a theoretical solution that may happen someday? Yes, but it hasn't. And there's like, if you're trying to say that authoritarian governments are better at dealing with climate change than the governments that currently dominate, number one, Hell of a lot of authoritarian governments are responsible for our current situation, yeah. Ari, climate change. Number two, the, the Soviet Union, which I suspect most of these people see as a guiding light, horrible for the environment, turned the largest body of water in Eurasia into a poison lake. Yes, <laughs> like, right. Not and, not, and not, good at the environment, you know?
0: And here's here's what's interesting about the thing to me. The other thing that it's doing is kind of signaling that it's like, Patently ridiculous to oppose this idea without specifying what the idea is like, and uh, like, in other words, authoritarianism, like, but like, I mean, let's, let's be blunt, right? What they're implying as a Leninist is the one party state, the secret police press censorship and the command economy. Yeah. So. Does that help you fight climate change? That's actually an interesting and a kind of like, you know, distant 5,000 foot view, you know, from the God's eye view or whatever, like uh, the that's an interesting technical question. Do these institutions actually help or hinder a response? But we're not even having that conversation because instead it's this kind of underhanded attempt to get you to think that. So, again, does a tweet matter? Well, I think a tweet matters if it comes from a member of the National Political Committee of the DSA. Because at least ostensibly, if DSA is, which is the person who did that tweet, because at least ostensibly, if DSA is a mass movement as it purports to be, uh, the mass movement of socialists Mm -hmm. in the U.S., and you know, and and the National (laughs) Political Committee is ostensibly the leadership of the DSA, which I personally don't believe, but that's certainly how they think of themselves. Um, then this indicates that the largest, most important socialist mass movement in the U.S., at least self-branded, uh. Has people in its leadership who believe that the secret police might help in uh, addressing climate change. That's an interesting thing. And it's also very disturbing. And the thing is, this, this person is not actually like important. He's a symptom. Because this is something that's happening across the board, and a more intellectually serious uh, version of this argument was put forward by the uh, Marxist intellectual and historian, um, a professor of human ecology called Andreas Malm. Uh, and people who are really into like Marx nerd stuff will probably have heard yeah. it, uh,
1: Malm's name. Yeah. Because he's what, of, a, uh, what a very good of, book called Fossil Capital. Everything he's written after Fossil Capital is a disaster. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, I like some of the sabotage
1: stuff. I mean, I, it's. It's a little romantic
0: yeah. and impractical. You know, he, 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 he,
1: he wrote an ethical discourse instead of a thing about like the risk of eco sabotage, which is the actual important part of getting well. And eco-sabotage.
5: also the degree to which it can matter because eco sabotage. There's this idea on the left that like, well, what we need to do is be targeting fossil fuel infrastructure. And again, it's like what the, it's it's like what that DSA dude said. Like, yeah, that. Could theoretically be part of a thing that, that, but also, if it's like nine dudes who do it and then they go to prison or get shot, well, that doesn't really fix climate change. I think uh,
6: the book, the book um, Ministry for the Future, really lays out all of the all of, kind of like the best case scenario for yes. all these types of things and how they can work together to overall trend trend in this direction because yeah that type of like eco sabotage in conjunction with other like political effects can be impactful on what things happen but it, it it's it not it won't as necessarily as what, be you know it, it's, it's not it's not as simple as we would like it to be because yeah it's it turns out a complex world has complex consequences and complex political yeah. well, actions.
1: and 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 I think I think this is you know the, the trend that Malm is on the trend on the, you know there's there's a big environmental authoritarian like thing among, among among liberals. This is a huge thing in in, in political science. It Was a big thing in, in ecological studies. That was essentially making a similar argument to to what Mom was making. That's like, well, okay, you need some kind of air quotes vague authoritarianism to to deal to with climate change. And you know it, it it's it's. It's it's basically this this attempt. There's like these people have have seen climate change, but they have no actual solution to it. So they wave their hands and pretend that like this like you know the state is going to descend from the sky and save them, and and it's not. And and I think that's you know I I I I think I think we're we're sort of I don't know I I think as way to I guess kind of wrap this up because we unfortunately are running out of time, but uh. You know th- this, like this exact moment, like like these like few weeks are this moment of incredible like rupture on the left, right? Because we, we have, we've had we've had in some ways social democrats be discredited by the fact that like Corbyn and Sanders both lost, right? Their political project has been discredited. Um, we've had a series of sort of anarchist failures, but then you know, and, and in the last couple of weeks, right, it was all of the sort of big state like authoritarian people like tied themselves to a bunch of imperialists. And you know, staked their whole entire politics off of them being the anti-imperialist class, and then you know, the state who's like a bunch of their press people like literally work for, right? And who who they've been arguing like is is the counter-imperialist power, just does imperialism. And so, like, yeah, I, I think we we have this moment where everything is in chaos, in which we have to be the ones that 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 have solutions or have or have the tools to build them, and I think that's why. That's why this project is important because that's that's something that we need in in this exact moment.
5: Yeah. I, I think there's a tremendous value in being humble about seeking out solutions to these questions and not doing what so many do on the left and pretend that their tendency has an absolute answer, because all we have is theories. And the reason I know that no. to a point of certainty is that no one has solved any of these problems yet. Right, um, yeah, absolutely. And and so there is a, a tremendous degree of humility that people need to have in terms of like, all right, well, we are attempting to arrive at the at conclusions that can lead us to a better world as opposed to we are trying to force through this thing that we know will work. Um because you don't, you know, if you're a Marxist Leninist and you think that we need climate Mao, you don't know that that will work because it hasn't yet. And if you're an anarchist who thinks the solution is bombing as many oil refineries as you possibly can, well, you don't know that you're ever going to get enough people on board for that to mean anything. Um, and I think that there's a the the conversations that we need to be having, I think it's it's important to see them as conversations as opposed to polemics aimed at just getting people in line behind this shining vision of a of a clear set of steps um it's important to envision the end goal i say that a lot you know we need to be looking and and accepting the possibility of a better future but it's important not to be dogmatic about the road to get there because nobody nobody really has a clear idea of what that looks like
0: yeah so the 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 piece ends up and if you want to see the ending of it it'll it'll be up in um in sometime in the next couple weeks but the the basic gist of where it goes is precisely to the practical question right instead of like making these like polemical uh arguments that are rooted more in like kind of like what tribe you've decided to identify with within the broad family of socialism than in like actually trying to like solve problems for the people around you right or help uh contribute to the solutions like It's actually what we want to ask is like if we have like the giant ecological crisis, uh, how do you how do you actually do it? Is it by trying to force people from the top down to do it as um, Andrea's mom kind of draws on the failed uh, policies of war communism as an inspiration uh, for that? Or is it potentially by having like democratized institutions that incentivize people with carrots instead of sticks like Naomi Klein uh, basically uncovered a lot of her journalism and this changes everything. So this is kind of like the the debate that we have to start having in order to be able to together formulate these kinds of solutions.
5: Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for for us today. Um, What do we what do we we, you guys got a got a got a plug you want to throw up? Throw up before we roll out
0: yeah uh, if if you want to follow us at uh, at strange underscore matters um on Twitter. Um, we also have a uh, Facebook and you can uh, read our articles uh, at strange uh which is our website. Uh, and if anything that you read there that you've heard here inspires you at all, please consider donating. We're going to be in the next month raising money uh, for, for the magazine. And we want to pay our writers above uh, market rate because we think market rates too low. So, but in order to actually do that, and none of the money's going to the editors uh, from the fundraisers. So if, if, if we're going to be able to do that, we got to meet our, uh, fundraising target
5: all right well support them and um you know figure out how to save the world it's it's up to you and i'm speaking to exactly one person right now and no one else but i'm, I'm not going to be more
6: specific